Good morning. My name is Attorney. Good morning. My name is Attorney Vincent Davis. I'm a licensed attorney in California, and today we are talking about how to get your kids back, specifically when they're taken by CPS workers. Um, today we have a special guest, and her name is Lisa Castillo. Uh, she's on the line with us this morning. Good morning, Lisa. How are you? Good morning, Mr. Davis. I'm fine, thank you. How are thank you? you for doing, thank you for joining us on today's show. Um, Lisa's going to tell us uh, about her story with the Department of Children and Family Services in Los Angeles County. And I've been doing this type of work since January 1989, and I hadn't quite heard a story like hers. You know, just when you think you've heard it all, you hear another story that's even more unbelievable than the past. Lisa is a mother of three children, and a few years ago she was involved with um, the Department of Children and Family Services. Lisa, tell us from the beginning what happened with your situation. Okay, um on around uh, October 2nd, um, I put my three-month-old baby son to sleep, and I went to go have dinner. And maybe about 15 to 20 minutes, 15 minutes later, I went to check up on. After I had my my dinner, I went to check up on on the baby, and he was face down, and he wasn't breathing. He was paled. Um, we performed CPR on my son, my brother and I. We were taking turns, and um, we called 911. And, you know, when the paramedics came, I was able to get a breath back from my son. I rushed outside and took my son to the paramedics. The paramedics rushed to the hospital, and in the transition of taking my son to the hospital, he had a heart attack. Um, they they didn't have the the correct equipment. Um, to treat my son at the hospital that he was taken to. So um, he was transported to Cedars-Sinai Hospital. Arriving at Cedars-Sinai, um, they put my son on a machine. He was in an ICU, and he he was uh, pretty much in a coma uh, from, you know, the time that he was taken into the hospital to, like, um, on, on Thursday night, October 4th, um, my son still had no... No progress, you know he was still in a coma um it It didn't look good for my son and child protective services showed up and they interviewed me um I thought everything was fine during the interview they didn't you know they didn't show no sign like you know something wrong that they were gonna take my kids or anything like that but uh child protective services left, but I don't know what they were doing, but they came back like around. 11:30 at night after all my family had left from you know the visiting area and they come and put me in a room with my baby's father and they said that they were taking my kids away from me um and I said why and they said because your son is dead and I said my son is not dead he's still in a coma um I I called you know I didn't know what to do you know they're telling me I'm going to take my kids away they're going to take my kids away from me and they said, you know, if I made a scene or if I did anything, they were going to call the cops on me. I called um, the doctor and I told them what's going on. You know, they're saying that they're accusing me of me doing this to my son. And he said, we already, the doctor that was treating my son told me we already spoke to them. We told them that there's no sign of neglect. There's no sign of child abuse. Um, it's, you know, what we're calling it that, you know, he's just, we don't know what happened. You know, he's in a coma and it could, we don't know right now, you know, he's still in a coma. So, um, they took my kids, you know, my, my 13 year old and my two year old, they took them, um, they put them in a foster home and they told me they were going to call me tomorrow, the next day on Friday morning. Um, I get called into the room. Um, by the doctors, and they told me that, you know, they declared my son um, deceased and that there was nothing that they can do anymore for him. And um, uh, I was getting calls from my daughter because she, she took her cell phone and she told me that they had separated my my two-year-old daughter 
from her during the night while they were sleeping. They took her from her arms, and she didn't know where she was at. And, you know, my 12-year-old's crying, telling me she wants to come home. I didn't tell her what was going on with my son or her brother. And I called, I immediately called Child Protective Services, and I told them that I wanted my kids back, that, you know, my, my son just passed away and that I needed, we needed to be together. And she said, well, there's nothing that I can do for you right now. Um, we are going to keep the kids till further um, investigation. And uh, we're just, you're going to have to just wait for the process. We're going to call you back for a court date so you can um, see the judge. So um, this whole time, you know, I'm dealing with my son, with my, my, with my lost and dealing with, them taking my kids away, I'm like in shock. So finally I get a call from them telling me that they had a, a scheduled date for me, you know, um, to see the judge. And I told them, you know, why are you doing this to me? You know, um, you spoke to the doctors, you know, there's no sign of neglect or abuse. And um, why, you know, why are you doing this to me? I want my kids back. And they were like, no, we need to um, keep your kids safe from you until um, we investigate further. Um, she asked at that time that if she can go um, see my house. And I said, you know, you know, at this moment, I don't think it's the right time. You know, I'm still in shock. This is like within hours that my son had passed away and she's asking me this. Um so I said not the, not at the time, you know, it's not the right moment. When I go home, you can go check my house. Then um, within an hour or two, I have, you know, the LAPD uh, come to, to the hospital. I guess they called the police as well, and they come to the hospital, and they put me in a room, and they started interviewing me, and, you know, they asked questions of what happened. I, t- I explained to them what happened, you know, and... Then I get the news that they were they're they're gonna investigate and you know there might be a pending uh, homicide case uh, for me until they get the autopsy report or until they do their investigate their investigation as well. So um, that was another bad news for me. You know, like I, I you know suspected of me hurting my my son. So then finally, um, when I, then I think it was the next day, um, yeah, it was the next day, uh, the social worker calls me, you know, and tells me that they're canceling my court date, that they're not going to give me a court date because this is going to be better for me, that it's going to be a team meeting, and that um, we're going to discuss what the plan is going to be. And I said, well, what do you mean the plan? You know, like, I want my kids back. And she said, well, we'll, we'll decide that when, when, we're, when we're at the meeting. So then I said, you know what, let me speak to your supervisor. Um, I need to speak to somebody above you because this doesn't sound right. You know, you're, there's, you're accusing me of me doing something to my son. You know, the hospital's telling you that there's no signs of child abuse. You know, none of this is making any sense. You're canceling my court date. So she gave me her supervisor's uh, phone number. And, you know, I thought calling her supervisor, you know, maybe he wasn't aware of the situation was going to help me, you know, and shed some light in my situation. And when I called him, he was just very rude. I told him, you know, what was going on. And I said, you know, I want my kids back. You know, this is... I need my kids with me. My son just passed away, and he's like, he told me, you know what, your fam- your family members are getting fingerprinted right now to see if we can give the kids to somebody in your uh, family members. And um, he told me, so you're just going to have to wait. And I said, well, how long is this going to take? And he's like, you know what, it's going to take as much as it's going to take. You're nobody special. What do you want me to do? Call the FBI and tell them, oh, Miss Castillo wants her kids back, you know. So, at this time, I'm just feeling like, oh, my God, what's going on? You know, yes. Let me interrupt you just for for a second. Um, I want you to keep in mind where you left off, but I want to ask you a couple of questions, okay? Okay. 
When, when we spoke previously, you said that um, a doctor had written a letter stating that um, the death was caused by sudden infant death syndrome, SIDS. And I think yes. um, now the, the doctor wrote that letter. When did the doctor write this letter in relationship to the story that you're telling us? Um, the doctor wrote that letter when I informed the hospital that they canceled my my court date. So it was around Friday or Saturday after my son's death. Did they write? So, did the doctor write that letter in between the time of the court date and them taking away your kids? He yes, in between in between the time of my court date, yes. Okay. <clears throat> now, do you remember the social worker that you were first dealing with, the, the the female? Do you know her name? Yes, I do. Her okay. name was Rihanna uh, Acklin. Okay. And then you said you talked you talked to the supervisor. What was his name? Erasmo Aguilar. Okay. Pick up the story from where you left off, please. Okay, so after, you know, coming to a dead end with the supervisor, um, um, I I get another visit from the LAPD, and they said that they wanted to come visit my house and see the room where everything occurred. I came back to my house with, you know, with the police officer. Um, they took pictures. They took me back to the hospital. Um I kept calling um, Rihanna because in the transition that all this is happening, um, one of my family members informed my daughter, my 12-year-old daughter, that her brother has passed away. And she was really, um, you know, very, she was not good. She was upset. She was sad. She was crying. And she called me and she said, Mom, I want to be with you. Um, Why can't you come pick me up? Why are they doing this to me? So I called Rihanna and I told her, can you please bring my kid here? She needs me. You know, she needs me and I need her. I need my kids here. And she said, "Um, I'll see if we can take them to you. And um, throughout the day, I kept calling her and she said, no, we can't. We can't take her by this time already. My kid, my little one was already in Lancaster in a foster home. And my my 12-year-old was still like in a, like in a, a foster home where there's like a lot of kids, you know, waiting to be uh, placed. So finally she calls me back like over the weekend and she tells me she needs me. I don't know if it was on the weekend or on Monday, you know, I had to turn off the, the machine on my son. Uh, Cause his, I was waiting, I was waiting for, for them to bring my child, my kids back to the hospital. And finally, like on, actually, I'm sorry, on Monday, the following Monday, um, my kids were placed with their paternal um, grandmother, and she was able to take my daughter for a few hours and, you know, say their last goodbye to my son. Uh, we turned off the machine, and my daughter left with, you know, the paternal grandmother. And I came home, and I get a call from Rihanna Acklin and says that um, she needs me to do a drug test immediately. And I told her, well, if I do this drug test and I come out clean, am I going to get my kids back? And she said, I don't know. We'll see. So within within the same hour, I go do my drug test. I call her and I told her I did my drug test already. And she's like, okay. So I followed up. And then she's like, um, yes, I received your drug test and we'll discuss it in the in the team meeting. So finally, when the team meeting day comes, um within the transition and all this is happening and waiting, I contacted a lawyer to come with me so I can see if I can get my kids back. You know, I take the letter with me that I have from the hospital and signed from the doctor, and I show up with my lawyer, and as I'm coming in and signing in and letting them know, you know what, I'm here present and I have my attorney present, and uh, the person that's in charge, the mediator and the social worker, they told me, oh, you can't have an attorney present here. And I said, why? Because this is a team meeting and you're not allowed to have an attorney present. And they told my attorney that he needed to leave 
and my attorney said, I need you to put it on record that I was present with her, and they said, okay, we will. Um, so my attorney left, and I was I was already upset. I already knew something was going on because I've never heard of somebody not allowed to have an attorney present when there's a case going on. And um, so we sign in, and uh, my brother, my mom, um, my son's son, and my son's uh, father and his parents are there, and I had a, a cousin for support as well. And we sign in for the team meeting, and as soon as the team meeting starts, um, I have a, a previous record, and at the time I was uh, on probation and I was in compliance with all my court orders, and and I I disclosed this, I I I I gave this information to them. I also gave them my probation officer's um, phone number, you know, so they can verify that you know I was good. Yeah, you know, I'm in compliance. So as soon as I start in the meeting, they start attacking me, you know. Um, I felt like they were just like being judgmental because of my record. They started saying, "Don't lie, you're you're on drugs." And I said, "What do you mean I'm on drugs? Like, yeah, I just took the drug test and I came out clean. I gave you my probation officer's phone number, and I I asked him, did you contact my probation officer?' And he said, "No, we don't need to do that." I'm like, "What do you mean you need to do that? You you should. I mean, you're accusing me that I'm this criminal and I'm this drug addict. You would think that you would call my probation officer and see if I'm in compliance with the court orders. They never called my probation officer. I was reporting to my probation officer once a month. I was being drug tested once a month as well, and they never once called my probation officer. During the team meeting, it was just, you know, bringing up the past. It had nothing to do with the circumstances that my why my son had passed away. When I told them what happened to the letter, it's like, oh, that letter does not mean nothing to us. Um, now we're going to have to wait for the autopsy report, and we're going to have to wait for your uh, pending uh, LAPD case to be closed. And then they started telling me, you're going to have to attend domestic violence classes, you're going to have to attend drug classes, and you're going to have to attend parenting classes. And they did that to me and my baby's father as well. And I said, so am I going to get my kids back if I do while I'm doing all this? And they're like, no, you're not going to have your kids back. You can't be around your kids. Oh, and then on top of that, they said that I was not in a mental state to take care of my kids because my son just passed away. And they had, like, a, a psychologist there, too, and she recommended that I not be uh, with my kids as well. So the team meeting went, just went all wrong. It was not what they... Uh, they made it seem like it was going to be a benefit for me and my kids. It just went all wrong. And while they were doing all this, my kids were present in the meeting while they were, like, talking about my case, accusing me of being a drug addict, uh, disregarding my drug test, disregarding of co contacting my probation officer. So they took my kids, and they said I couldn't have any weekends with my kids. I can only have my see my kids for, like, three to four hours or depending on the foster parents' um discretion um i only had supervised visits with my kids for they kept my my kids my they kept my kids away from me for like about eight months and almost every month i would ask them like can i need to have my kids back my daughter would always complain mom i want to go home and i did all my classes um they got the autopsy report they didn't even know the autopsy report was ready i kept calling them and calling them to tell them that it was ready and i wouldn't get any phone calls returned from them so I had to personally go and take the autopsy report and um, take the, uh, the autopsy report to them and tell them look the autopsy report is closed can I have my kids back and they said oh no we need our our own certified autopsy report you know and um and I said well, well when are you going to get it or well, we're going to have to request it that just prolonged the case even more once they got the autopsy report finally when I followed up again they said, oh, yes, we have the autopsy report. And I said, well, can I have my kids back now? They said, no, now we have to wait till the LAPD case is closed. Um, I followed up with the detective that was um, um, handling our case um, and him as well. He said, you know what, um, we closed your case. We have your autopsy report and your case has been closed. You can take this report to the social services and see if you can get your kids back because that's all they're waiting for to my understanding. So I took the LAPD report back to them.
because they never returned my phone calls. Every time I called them, they never returned my phone calls. So I went personally to the office and I took the LAPD report, and I told them, look, here's the LAPD report. Can I have my kids back? And she said, no, I, I, we need to continue the investigation. I'm like, what investigation? The autopsy report tells you, you know, my son passed away for a sudden infant death, and there is no... There's no criminal case open against me. It's closed. It's right here. Then you know, I told them on, on what you said that you were holding, you were taking my kids away from me on the grounds that you didn't know what happened to my son. And now that you have what you want, what you needed to have my kids, so I can get my kids back. Now you're telling me that I can't have my kids back. They're like, oh well, um, we'll call you back. They'll tell me we'll call you back. I need to run this with my supervisor. So finally she called me back and she says, um, you need to finish your, your classes and the father too. So we did. We finished our classes. I called them and I told them, hey, you know what, I finished my classes already. You know, this is all this is happening within less than six months. And when I told her, we finished our classes already, you know, can I have my kids back? And she said, oh, by law, I need to keep your kids open minimum six months. That's what she told me, that she needed to keep my kids open minimum six months. And I'm like, six months? That's not what you said in the meeting. You said in the meeting that you were waiting for the autopsy report. You were waiting for the case to be closed. I've given you everything you want, and you still do not want to give my kids back. It, it just didn't make any sense. Yeah, I told you, can I speak to your supervisor? For the whole time, because by this time, they already had changed the social worker. I already had my second social worker handling my case. Her supervisor never once called me back. I never could get the lady on the phone, never can get the lady on the phone. And, you know, finally I kept calling our, our insist, being persistent with the social worker that we currently had, and I said, hey, you know what, I need my kids back. I, I want my kids back. I've given you everything that I have. And she said, follow up with me next month. And I would. Every month I would until finally when it came to, like, eight months, I told her, you know, like, this this is getting a little ridiculous. I'm like, it, you guys have no grounds of holding my kids. You guys have everything that you wanted. You even have a letter from the hospital. You have the autopsy report. You have the ADPD report, and you still don't want to give my kids back. So finally, when she set up another meeting to set with the supervisor, she she changed it two times. She postponed my, my, my meeting with the supervisor two times. And finally, when it was the final um, meeting appointment, I took our, our counselor because we had um, counseling, family counseling, where, you know, even the counselor was like, you know what, I'm going to be there to support you and tell them, you know, this is causing more trauma to your family, for you know, that you need your kids back, and I feel like the kids should go back home to you. So she came to the meeting with me, and they reviewed all my paperwork, and seeing that we had finished all the classes, all, all, all the requests that they had requested, and the, they had all the legal uh, documentation from the coroner's office, from the LAPD, and they had the letter from um, the hospital. And at the time of the meeting, they were still trying to keep my case open. They're like, well, we see that you're unemployed, and we feel that you should, you know, stay on the case so you can, we can try to help you get an apartment. And I said, no, I don't want any help. I just want my kids back. And they were trying to, like, I, I felt like they were trying to convince me, like, sell me that they were going to help me, like, get a job or, you know, get uh, get an apartment. And I said, no, I don't need that. I'm fine where I'm living at now. And I just want my kids back. And finally, they signed the paperwork so I can get my, my kids back. Now, and at the question. time when... Yes, go ahead. I'm sorry for interrupting. I had a question. At this yes. point in time, you're eight months down the road. Did they ever take you to court? No, no. Did you know that they can't keep your kids more than 48 to 72 hours against your will without taking you to court? No, I didn't know that. No. Okay. Continue with your story. So, um, what I found, you know, what I found, you know, kind of confusing was that there was never, um, they never visited my house to see how I lived. You know, my house is 
clean and good conditions. There's always food. It's, you know, it's a clean house. They never visited my house, you know. They never contacted my probation officer. They didn't allow me to have my attorney present. They didn't allow me to see a judge, which I wanted to see the judge, and they canceled my appointment. And at the time of the team meeting, they made it seem like, you know, um, you know, things were going to be good on, be good for us, you know, that I was going to get my kids back. The way they, they set it up and, you know, told me it seemed like, you know, we were going to be fine. But at the time when we were at the team meeting, I just felt lost because I even spoke to the LAPD officer and he was like, I'm just confused. I, I'm here at your house and I don't see how they can take your kids away from you. I mean, even though that investigation is going, we're still waiting for the autopsy report. I really, I'm really confused. I never seen anything like this happen to anybody. And, you know, they even have a letter from the, you know, the doctor that was treating my son. And he's, he's like, I think you should just do what, what, um, you should do. And, you know, for them to tell me that I can't have an attorney present, I was just like in shock. Like if I can't have attorney present, these people are in control. Like, how, how do how do I get my kids back? I just felt like I was hit. I was facing a dead end, like no help, no help from nobody. I called many people to see if they would take my case, and they're like, they don't, they don't let you have an attorney present. How how can you get an attorney if they're not letting you have an attorney present? And I was even my the attorney that went with me. He said he never seen anything like this happen. So um, for eight months they prolonged my case with with not having any grounds to keep my kids away from me. Tell me what, what happened, if anything, with respect to how did this affect your children and how did it affect you? Well, for one, my child, um, um, it affected my teenager. It affected her a lot. Um, you know, different rules at a different home is different. When she came back home, um, she was just rebelled, like she rebelled on me with attitude, always angry. Um, she started um, ditching school. Uh, she started uh, drinking. Uh, she ran away from home. Um, she tried to uh, she tried to uh, attempted to commit suicide. Um, it affected her a lot. And during all this that was happening, she would just tell me she hated me. And she hated me because she was not my mom and that um, I didn't protect her, that I couldn't do nothing to keep her away, and that only she knows um, how she felt when she found out that um, her brother had died and she didn't have anyone to hug to hug her, and she was just surrounded by strangers. So it affected us um, a lot emotionally and it affected my daughter's life because now she's scarred for life. Everything she's seen and everything she's done, you know, everything that she has done, like, it, it's not her. It, it wasn't her, you know. It was just her lashing out, her anger of everything that she'd been through, you know, and um, it affected our, our family drastically. My daughter, the little one, was always throwing tantrums. She didn't, at the beginning, she didn't want to be with me, and then, when she started getting closer to me, like, I couldn't leave anywhere because she would think that I wasn't going to come back. I would have to take her everywhere with me. Sometimes I would even have to take her to the bathroom with me. You know, she had, she, it, it affected us uh, drastically emotionally and it affected our family a lot, a lot. Um, I could have lost my child because of all, another child because of all of this. Um, my teenager uh, was at an age where she kind of, understand what's going on and you know I think the hardest part was for me to see that all this and my daughter trying to kill her life take her life away from her from herself over um over injustice you know what they did to us wasn't fair I've I've and you know us not having the help that we needed, like, nobody was listening to us. I mean, they're supposed to help us, you know, not destroy us. And not even LAPD can help me. 
Not even LAPD can help me get my kids back. Not even an attorney can help me get my kids back. I couldn't even see a judge. So where do I go? I just, it, we felt lost. My whole, it affected me a lot. It affected our whole family a lot. We were confused. We couldn't believe what was happening to us. So what did you, you know, do then? Until this day, she, she, she blames me. She thinks that I have, she's like, Mom, like, if you're my mom, how come you can't take us back, you know? So it affected so, us a lot. Why don't you tell uh, our listeners how you met me? Um, I did a lot of research, a lot, a lot of research. And um, finally I um, ran into uh, an attorney. Uh, and um, I visited the, the attorney. Can I take his name, Mr. Davis? Yes, you can. Okay, so I visited an attorney. His name is uh, Sean, Sean McMillan. And he told me that he's never heard of a case like this, and he would have like, liked to take my case, but his his workload was too full. And he, I told him, well, do you have anybody that you know that can help me? And he said, actually, I do. And um, he told me about Mr. Davis, you know. And by this time, when I had met with Mr. McMillan, I have done so much research to, to find an attorney. And anybody that I would call, they were like, no, we, we don't take these kind of cases. No, we don't take any these kind of cases. So when Mr. McMillan told me that he couldn't take my case, I was like, oh, my God, there has to be somebody that can help me. And finally, he's like, I actually do. And he gave me uh, Mr. Jada's uh, contact information Um as I drive, as I drove back the next day, I contacted Mr. Uh, Davis' office and I set up an appointment to meet Mr. Davis. So, at this time, I was like, "This is my last shot." I already had called like maybe dozens of attorneys, and um, when I went into Mr. Davis' parking lot, I said a prayer and I said, "God, please help me. You know, there has to be somebody that can help me and my family. You know." I, I I want my case to be known and be heard, you know, that what they're doing to families out there, you know, and it's just not right. You know, it affects kids drastically, you know. I almost lost another child because of them. My daughter could have really, like, really killed herself, and I could have lost another child because of them. And when I, went, when I met with Mr. Davis, um, and he heard my case, and and he was um, stunned to hear my case. And um, um, then Mr. Davis broke some good news that, you know, he told me he would take my case, and I was just really, really happy, and I was, I'm was i very thankful for him taking my case. Lisa, I want to thank you for uh, calling in and sharing with us today. I just want to let the um, the listeners know that we are representing you right now, we have filed a case in the uh, United States District Court for the Central District of California, and we are pursuing a case on your behalf and your children's behalf against the county and against the social workers who uh, put you through this and put your family through this. So, I, again, I want to thank you for calling in. At this okay, time, thank you. I'm going to take, thank you, Lisa. At this time, I'm going to take some calls because we're getting backed up on the calls. And so, Lisa, thank you very much. And we'll be speaking okay, to you soon. You. Okay, thank you, Mr. Okay, I'm going to take the first call, and the first call has an area code 70, and the last two digits are 54. Hello, this is Vincent Davis. Okay, um, perhaps that person is no longer on the line. Okay, the next call I'm going to take is a call with an area code of 949 and ending in 70. Hello, you're on the line with Attorney Vincent Davis. Yes. How are you? How Mr. can Davis. I help you? Well, my story is very similar. To, good morning, Mr. Davis. My story is very similar to... Uh, 
the last caller, and as you discussed in the end of our conversation, the concerns are the uh, damages to the uh, children. Um, you know what she talked about. Uh, you know the they kind of blame their parents for their displacement. It's a scarring process. It's irreversible, but. And I'm gone through the same thing. I had a six-month review hearing October 1st, and um, I'm out of the area in San Jose, and it costs, you know, plane tickets and hotels to go down there, and they canceled it, and they put it on to November 18th. Once again, I just went down there, then they canceled it to January 12th, and I have suffered losses in my um, business and these social workers it's just as she said you give these people an ounce of authority and they take a pound of control and it just is um, there must be some kind of litigation or something to put some kind of control on these uh, dependency cases because it's just uh, the caseworkers just have too much authority and uh it's just something needs to be done, and I'm glad you're there to uh, help people. It's it's very traumatizing to go through this process for anybody. Can I ask you a question? Okay, I think we lost that caller. I'm going to take another caller, and... This person's number starts with area code 424 and ends in 89. Hello, are you there? Yes, I'm here. How are you doing this morning? Good, how are you? How are you doing this morning? Oh, I'm blessed. Good, how are you? I'm blessed, thanks for asking. Um, my name is, uh, I have, I was listening and I'm out here in L.A. My son was drugged and abused by um, staffing at his school. He was being bullied, and they removed him. No questions asked. I have a Down syndrome son who they came back a year and a half later and removed him and said I was medically neglecting him. He sleeps on the CPAP machine. He hasn't been on his machine since July, here it is, November, he has um, been hospitalized the other day because he fell out. He's um, been very sick since they took him. And I'm not understanding how these people with no high school diplomas or anything is able to be foster parents and just come in and just have control over your life, you know. They're giving these people this money. And it's all about the money. It doesn't have nothing to do with them trying to help the parents to reunite. They don't do that. Every time I go to court, they never talk about returning my kids. They started off with taking one, and now they have three. Well, ma'am, may I ask you, is your case in Los Angeles County? Yes, it is. How long have, you been, going to juvenile? How long have you been going to juvenile court? been almost two years. March be two years. And um, they haven't re- they haven't returned your children to you. No. Um, I barely get to see them. Um, they're with supposed to be a family, but they're with a relative. Um, I thought when they're placed with your family or something, that you should be able to see them and be more, you know. And active within your kids' lives, that's not the cause. Um, his, you know, he's um, my nine-year-old, he, the one with the Down syndrome. He needs his glasses and different things, and his medications that he's on daily, they just let it sit at the pharmacy. I have to go pick it up, carry them like they should. They put them in diapers. Well, do you have an attorney that's assisting you in your case? Uh, no, I have no attorney. 
everyone that they gave me, um, that they appointed me, um, they, they're no longer with the law firm or something. So I go to court next month, and I just don't have no attorney or nothing. Okay, this is what I want you to do. Do you have a pen and a piece of paper? Yes. I want you to write down this telephone number. And on Monday, okay. I want you to on Monday I want you to call me at this number, and I want okay. to talk to you more in detail about your case, so that I can maybe be able to give you some advice or maybe able to help you. Okay. Are you ready for the number? Yes. It's eight 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 six five eight two. That's triple eight triple eight six five eight two. Call me Monday, and I'm going to see if I can try to help you, okay? Okay, I really appreciate you, Mr. Davis, so much. Thank I you. Really Bye-bye. Thank you. You have a blessed day. Thanks. Okay, I'm going to take another call. The calls are getting backed up. This caller um, has an area code of 626 and has the last two digits of 76. Hello, you're on with Attorney Vincent Davis. How can I help you? Hi, Vince. It's Barina. Hi, Barina. How are you? You're on live. I just wanted to first of all express my condolences. I was listening to Lisa's story, and um, I know they've been through so much pain. And I just wanted to express my condolences to her. And then secondly, I wanted to mention to all the folks that are listening out there that I know you do free seminars and that you meet with people individually at all of these seminars. And I've, I've been to the seminars, and I know that you keep them small. You only have a few people attending at a time so that you can meet with each person individually. And I've, I've seen you build strategies and action steps and, and really help these folks. And I know that you don't have a seminars booked um, for next year, but and, and you do have two seminars coming up, right, December 5th and December 12th? Um, yes, I have, a, anyway, I have two seminars anyway, I just, Yeah, I just wanted to say thank you very much for doing that, and I, I really appreciate you having this radio show. Thank you very much, Verena. Thank you for calling in. Bye-bye. You're welcome. So Verena mentioned uh, the seminars, and um, I give seminars every other month. And in the month of December, I'm giving one on the 5th and on the 12th. But unfortunately, those are sold out. I keep it limited to like 14 or 15 people so that I can talk with people after the seminar. Uh, So be looking for a seminar in January or February. Um, I might have to start doing those free seminars monthly. Okay, I'm going to take another call, and the caller's area code is 310, and the caller's number ends in 12. So good morning. You're on with Vincent Davis. Hi, good morning, Attorney Davis. Um, Thank you so much for having this call and just hearing these stories. I know that I'm not alone. I'd like to encourage, you know, everyone here currently going through this because I have gotten through it, but I still need your help. And, you know, I want to be part of this fight to make sure that they stop doing this to people. My children were completely victimized at the hands of Um, the Santa Clarita DCFS office. We moved here about a year ago from New York and, um, you know, my daughter, she called the police um, when I was arguing with my husband. She was afraid. Uh, There was no violence going on. Uh, We all told them that and they left. DCFS came to interview the children. They came to my home. Um, they advised that he needed to leave the home, and, you know, I didn't understand why we scheduled a follow-up meeting for the office. Um, in the TDM, um, you know, I offered to give them a background check. Um, we had just moved to the area, so we had no family or friends to, you know, contact anyone uh, for references. Um, they basically fabricated the whole TDM report, and there began my journey with DCFS. They showed up at my house. They detained my children. Um, we went to court, so I was involved in the court process. 
Um, initially, I immediately flew a sister out here. They required my sister to stay in the home with the children, but they would not let me or my fiance back in the home. So um, that was a hardship. We had just moved here for a job, so they created financial instability in our home. Now I have to support someone else, but I was willing to do whatever for my children. Um, but prior to them being placed with my sister, they were in foster care in Compton, different homes, mistreated, involved in fights. My children were completely traumatized. Um, eventually, when we went to court, um, even though I had previously been in counseling, been enrolled in counseling. They told me I couldn't have my children back until going to certain classes that I was already doing. Um, so I began to do that process as quickly as possible. Um, my sister, they basically, you know, when she wouldn't get on their side and contribute to the lies that they wanted to say, they told her they would take the children away from her. And basically, even though the court in all the court documents, they, the judge ordered for my sisters, my, my children to be at my home with my sister, DCFS pulled them back out and made them go into foster care. Um, and I was never able to get them out. Luckily, I was able to find a woman here that was approved by the foster care system. So I was able to have them transferred to her. So it was someone that I could work with and that, you know, at least had a love for my children and I could see them and visit with them. But it was a complete awful process having to navigate that. Um, my oldest is a senior now. She had been on the college track because of DCFS, moving her around, moving her schools. She is, you know, suffering now. That's her biggest dream in life. And, you know, just having to see everything that they had to go through, you know, being lied to and intimidated by them, them showing up at their schools, threatening them, um, them completely telling them, you know, all the time that nothing has ever happened. They've never seen any violence and, you know, them twisting their words and never, ever reporting what these children said is right. They made their own observations and, you know, they just came after our family with a vengeance. And I believe it was all about money. I have five children. It was very lucrative to hold my children hostage for the past year. How long, uh, well, have you gotten your children back? Yes, I have my children back. They're home. You know, we closed our case in September. But this case began last September. It took six months to even get a disposition in court. At the time of disposition, I had already done my classes. I did everything they told me to do as soon as possible. And they still wouldn't give me my children back. They lied and manipulated the words of the counselors, even though the counselor said, you know, there's no violence. They said that, well, she's not, you know, admitting it. She's not talking about it. So, you know. They just lied every time we went to court to continue to, to detain the children, despite all of the recommendations of all the professionals. And when did your case end? When did you get them back? I got them back um, in September of this year. 2015? They were allowed to return home um, about a month before that. Okay. Well, you know, as you might imagine, Social workers lying in reports to the judge is illegal. And if you have evidence that a social worker has lied in the report, I'd encourage you to give me a call on Monday so that we can further discuss possible legal action. If you have a pen and a paper, I'll give you a number to call me on Monday. Let me know when you're ready. Would that be 888-888-6582? That's it. I wrote it down when you gave it to the other woman. Thank you so much. I absolutely have documentation. That's one thing I did is document and have the people involved in this process with me document. And just for my notes, what's your first name? Just tell me your first name. Nikki. Okay, Nikki. Thank you very much. I'll be looking for your call. Thank you. Have a great day. I'll you be too. listening. Thank you. Okay, we're going to go to <clears throat> excuse me the next caller. Our calls are backing up here. I'm going to take a call from an area code 669, ending in the numbers 53. Hello, you're on with Attorney Vincent Davis. Mr. Davis. Yes, sir. Good morning. Good morning. How can I help um, you? I was the caller earlier that got cut off right when you asked me a question. Okay. Um, it was uh, two apologize. calls prior to this. Okay. I apologize Mr. for David. getting you cut off. Um, How can I help you? It happens quite often. 
Um, your question was going to be. How can I help you? The case? I, I had a six month hearing in October 1st and they rescheduled to November 18th. And now yes, they rescheduled yes. to January 12th. Okay, let me ask I've you. I completed all the concerns okay. and they keep rolling the case over and over and over. And the children are getting traumatized as a previous caller prior to me. And then you were just about to ask me a question. Okay, so the question is, is your case in Los Angeles or Orange County? Orange County. Okay. Do you have a court-appointed attorney? No. I have Yes, I have a court-appointed attorney, and she just, it's like they just sit there. As I said prior, you give these people an ounce of authority and they take a pound of control she just goes in there we're not allowed in the room and they chit chat for 20 minutes and just they, I guess they agree that uh, I'm not ready or you know the in-laws are involved and they're very wealthy I've had suspicions about payola but I don't know if I want to go down that road I just want to get my children back okay how many children are we talking about Two, ten-year-old and eight-year-old. They're right at an age where, you know, they're starting to get, feel, you know, abandoned and uh, just like the last caller that I'm afraid that, you know, they're going to get angry with me for not, you know, protecting them from the circumstances that the dependency court has put them in. Um, are they placed with the in-laws? Um, I don't think so. The in-laws are the ones that provocated the dependency because um, their daughter is on her fourth DUI and looking at jail time, and they just didn't want me to have custody. And so they worked with uh, dependency people and brought in manufactured reports and just basically snowballed and sandbagged me until next thing I know, three days later, I'm sitting at a dependency hearing and the children are being taken away from me. I have okay. no... Are you... Hold no on thought. a second. Are you... You want to get the children back, right? I want to get the children back. I, I get... Do I you jump live, through all their hoops. What county do you live in? Pardon me? What county do you live in? Where do I live? Yeah, what county? I, li I live in I live in Santa Clara right now, San Jose. Okay. Um has have you talked to the social worker about placing the children with you? Uh, every day. Okay. And you're not getting any satisfaction? None whatsoever. Okay. So this is what I'm going to have to do. I'm going to have to ask you to call me on Monday so that we can get in the specifics of your case. Because I hear your scenario a lot. And that's the father who the in-laws and the mother don't like, and they're doing everything to keep the children away from them. So what I think I need to do with your case is I need to review some specific details and I can give you perhaps a, a strategy, a game plan to try to implement with your um, court-appointed attorney. And if that's not possible, we can also talk about me taking over your case. Um, I actually live in Orange County, probably about 20 minutes from the courthouse where you are where your case is at Lamoureux Justice Center. But we do cases, you know, literally all over Southern California, actually all over the state of California. So I'm going to, if you have a pencil and a piece of paper, I'm going to give you a telephone number to call me and uh, talk to me directly. Let me know when you're ready. Okay. I'm ready right now. Okay, it's triple eight triple eight six five eight two. That's 
I want you to call me on Monday if I'm not in. I want you to leave a message or make a phone appointment with my secretary, and we'll talk in detail about your case. There is one thing I want you to do before um, you we speak, and that is you have a report from the social worker. It's probably called the six month review report. I need you to yeah. um, I need you to email that to me so that we can discuss you know, something intelligently so I can I know what's going on in the case. And if you want, I can give you my email address right now. Um, I I have your email address. Oh, you do? Okay, very good. So just email me that, and we'll have a consultation. Well, you'll schedule a consultation on Monday, and at our consultation, I will have reviewed the report, and I will uh, talk to you intelligently about what you need to do in your case. Okay, and my heart goes out to everybody that goes through this process. And as I said before, something, some legislation or these people have too much power. You know, they just come in and take the children without court orders, and it's just uh, the trauma is just terrible and it's unjustified. I mean, I know they serve a purpose for when it's needed, but when it's not needed, it's uh, detrimental and proact- not proactive. But thank you, Mr. Davis. I'll give you a call on Monday. Okay, thank you very much, sir, for calling. Um, thank you. All right, so I'm going to try to take one more call. We have about three minutes left in the show. And the caller, um, your number begins with 626 and ends with 84. Hello, you're on with Attorney Davis. Hi, good morning. This is Annie. Um you represented me at my son's trial, so I wanted to share um, my story, too. Um, my, Do you remember uh, for Preston? I I remember. That, that Great. Your trial, your trial and your case is burned in my memory. Yes, yes. So I really wanted to share my story. Um, my son was five years old, um, and I have... I had two children, a nine-year-old daughter, five-year-old son, and I was eight months pregnant when a social worker was investigating me for seven months uh, relentlessly. She wasn't able to collect enough evidence to open a case, so she just kept keeping the case open. She's an emergency response worker um, who's supposed to close the case within 30 days, we thought. So um, my child was saying he was molested by his father, and... um, he, he was telling, he told the police one time, one police station. And anyway, so we ended up, I ended up hiring Vincent Davis. We prepared an awesome, awesome defense, beautiful defense. We had expert witnesses, doctors, um, and we took it to trial. Um, I was accused of unnecessary medical treatment. So um, Vince had one of my son's doctors uh from Children's Hospital come in and testify saying, no, it's not unnecessary medical treatment. The child's actually diagnosed with periodic fever syndrome. And even though we tried everything um, to get my child back, it just did not work. I did everything in a timely manner. I did more than what they asked me to do. It it seemed like they just want to torture and torture and torture. I was lucky enough that the child was placed with the father, but I had super limited access to him. And I want to say the social worker's name. Um, Her name is Christy Parkin, and she's from Pasadena. So um, be very, very careful if you're involved with DCFS out of that office because if there's not enough evidence to build a case, um, they still will, you know, keep it open just to build one because at trial my son testified to being molested, and it did not – it did not – do anything. It's it's a corrupt system, unfortunately, and to this day, I still don't have my child back. The father is out on bail for felony domestic violence, and the new social worker who was called, her name is Emily, um, inappropriate emails between her and the father were released um, accidentally in court. We were supposed to look at it, give it back, but we accidentally kept it. And in the emails, the father saying, Please help me. Um, She might get a criminal protective order, and she might be given custody of my son. And in the email, she's saying, don't worry. uh, Let the judge know I'm slapping her with emotional abuse and general neglect of a child that I've only had monitored visits of. So if they want to create something 
they will create something out of thin air. They, they're trying to discredit a, a monitor who's court-approved psychologist, court-approved monitor. Um, they're trying to discredit my um, neuropsychologist who provided reunification therapy so that I'm supposed to have custody now. Anybody who comes into my case, any professionals, any court-approved people, they discredit. Um, and I got an email at midnight from my child's lawyer saying that if the father's convicted, DCFS has made it clear that mother will not have custody, that they will not place my now seven-and-a-half-year-old with me, even though my brand-new baby is now two years old and I have a 12-year-old in the home. Annie, I want to thank you for your call and sharing. Um, I You're would, welcome. I'd, nice. I'd like to continue this conversation about your case next week. We're running out of time. Um, please call great. in Great. Have a great week. day. Thank you, I will. I'll contact you. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you, folks, for listening, and we'll talk to you and speak to you and see you on the radio next Saturday at 8 a.m.